0: Hello, this is Deb from Deb's Data Dojo, part of the Calling All Beings podcast network. Today I have Mr. Robert Salas. He is a combat veteran and graduate of the United States Air Force Academy. Following his time with the military, he spent over 20 years working at the FAA. He has been actively speaking about and researching UFOs for decades. His interest began in 1967 after being part of an incident involving a UFO hovering over and shutting off nuclear missiles at Malmstrom Air Force Base, Oscar Flight. Mr. Salas has been part of a major disclosure event and several at that, including citizen hearings, conferences, and presentations at the National Press Club. He has also authored and co-authored multiple books on UFOs, including unidentified the ufo phenomenon and faded giant i also have with me today jesse Peek, who is a mufon investigator podcaster and a member of the seu thank you for joining us today <laughs> that's probably we- yeah that's probably my longest intro ever but there's just so much <laughs> we have done so much <laughs>
1: <laughs> thank you deb it's great to be with you and jesse uh anxious to uh, respond to any questions that you might have. I've been uh, looking into this subject for over 25 years now.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, and obviously, I do have quite a lot. And I think we'll go ahead and just start immediately. I think, you know, obviously, um, interestingly enough, I might have to do it backwards because I think people want to know what's going on, for instance, with you joining the Galileo project. And I do, I want to know what's going on with your participation with them.
2: Great question. (laughs)
1: Uh, Well, sorry to disappoint you. I uh, did join the Galileo project early on. Um, I was with them for, I'd say, about a month and decided uh, my time would be better served elsewhere. I I, uh, resigned from the project, I think, in um, the last day of 2021. Oh okay. So since January, I haven't been a part of it.
0: Oh okay. Well, what are you doing now? I'd like to know that. I know that's not the usual order to ask about what's going on now, but I want to know what you're up to. <laughs>
1: well, let's see. What am I up to? I'm um, I'm still trying to uh, <clears throat> excuse me write a uh, a book, another book, uh, and it will be a fictional book this time, but still based on my experience with the phenomenon and um, what I think is going on. It's, it's gonna be called um, uh, the, uh, uh, the title of, it just excuse me right now, but it, it's about what I think may happen in the future with regard to the phenomenon. Uh, so it's a work in progress. I'll I'll work on it a little bit at a time and uh, we'll see how how long it takes me to finish it. It's uh, my first uh, fictional attempt at this. uh, And the only reason I'm doing it as a fiction is uh, it'll be based on a lot of real events, but um, it allows me to speculate on on, um, the objectives of our visitors uh, and try to think about uh, why they're here uh, what their intentions are um, and and that sort of thing uh, i'll i'm also uh, still speaking i'll be speaking in uh, roswell on july the second i believe uh, they're having the 75th anniversary of the roswell incident so i'll be speaking there and uh, my main effort, however, <clears throat> is to push Congress for open hearings. And uh, and I'll be doing that in various ways by uh, making contacts uh, uh, with Congress and senators. And uh, so I'll be pursuing that uh, enthusiastically, let's say, for at least the next uh, year or so.
0: Well, that is one of my questions. I was going to ask if you were part of the current efforts with, with briefing Congress as they prepare to do more work on this issue.
1: Well, I have briefed, um, uh, at least my Congresswoman. Um, we, uh, spent a little time together, uh, on the phone, uh, talking about the subject. Um, and, um, I have been in contact with, uh, the offices of, uh, let's say, a couple of senators, a couple of congressmen, um, and they've shown interest. However, we have to keep pushing uh, Congress to do the right thing and um, and make a stronger effort to uh, seek the truth because um, what we've got here is a situation where... Let's, let's take the Air Force, for example. The Air Force has a lot to answer for. Uh, of course, I, we can talk about the primarily the four incidents, uh, which we've got plenty of evidence to support uh, that they did occur. And these are incidents involving uh, UFOs around nuclear weapons facilities. Of course, uh, we had the presentation, the uh, press conference in Washington, D.C., October the 19th of last year. Um, And by the way, I've still got to um, anybody that wants to see that uh, conference can go to uh, my YouTube channel. Uh, It's Bob Solace uh, on YouTube and they can see the entire uh, conference. It it goes for about two hours, but uh, it includes witnesses um, of the incident that happened in North Dakota in uh, 1966 at Minot, and then my uh, two incidents, and also the incident that happened in 1968 again, at Minot Air Force Base, North Dakota. These are very well-documented incidents. Um, And in addition to uh, the other presenter that we had, October 19th was uh, Bob Jacobs, who had his own incident at Vandenberg Air Force Base in 1964. Um, So um, yeah, I'm gonna keep pressing Congress Every way I can with phone calls, letters, um, because the um, what I call the UFO cabal uh, will do whatever they can to slow walk uh, any kind of disclosure. And it will take a real effort to get them to
2: talk. Well, speaking of that, I did have a question. Do you have any have you received any pushback from doing this whatsoever from anybody?
1: Pushback? Um, I don't know what you mean by pushback. Trying uh, to prevent
2: you from possibly, you know, doing the national press clubs or doing anything to deter you from your, your objective.
1: No, that's not going to happen. Nothing will deter me. Um, and I haven't received any uh, any kind of what I would call any kind of threat. Good. Good.
0: I feel like it's actually more helpful for people generally to be public. Um, Once they come out in public, if something were to happen, it would be kind of obvious, I think. Um, So I feel like a lot of people have used tactics to come out. Some of them have been on shows on YouTube and press conferences. And then some people have done um, the fictional writing to find a way to get things out. I'm thinking of Chase Brandon. I don't know if you are familiar with that. Um, So I feel like being public has been really helpful.
1: I think that's correct. I think um, as soon as I came out, I came out uh, publicly in 1996, um, and of course I was taking a chance. Although at that time I, I, I felt that uh, I had been at uh, Echo Flight, what I call it, uh, what we call Echo Flight, and so I thought I was in the clear because the Air Force had declassified that incident. It wasn't until later I realized uh, in talking to my commander at the time uh, that we were at Oscar flight. (laughs) Uh, But by then I'd already uh, been out uh, speaking about these incidents. And and so, uh, no, I have not gotten any uh, letters from the Air Force or statements or Uh, any kind of threats, like I say, that I should not be speaking about this.
0: I will say, though, that the other concern that was mentioned, um, because I was re-watching citizen hearings today to prepare for this interview, was the concern about losing pensions. That was another threat that people were worried about, that their pension would be taken if they spoke about their incidents. And if anyone goes to watch those, they're really powerful people getting to speak for the first time about what happened people who may have been ordered not to speak initially people who were they tried to silence initially getting to speak for the first time. That was pretty powerful to me.
1: Absolutely. Uh, The military the air force, for example, has used those kinds of threats against witnesses uh, to keep quiet. Um, And of course in my case they they asked me not asked, but really told me to sign a non-disclosure statement that i would never speak about this um, uh, which i did and so uh, others um, but again once the air force declassified the echo incident i thought it was my incident and i began speaking i thought i i could do that because um, it had been declassified so it was a public uh, public information.
0: So let's go to a question that has to do with, um, the nuclear aspect. Of course, everyone's very interested and, and for those who are not aware, this is not something that has only happened in the United States. In fact, the Nimitz and some of the other ships, um, in the recent videos are they're nuclear powered or something like that right there's nuclear involved with them as well right
1: well those are nuclear uh, powered uh, aircraft carriers yes
0: Mm -hmm. right so there's an attraction um, to the nuclear power sources attraction to nuclear missiles Um, so i guess my question is why do you think they are so interested. And by the way, one of the other countries is Russia. There's documents on that. And um, Mr. Salas has put those out on the Internet also. Um, so why do you think they're so interested in the nukes?
1: Well, uh, I think they're so interested, first of all, in the nuclear weapons, because uh, they are obviously, it should be obvious to everyone, that these are uh, weapons if used in war. Uh, in a major scale, could absolutely destroy not only all humanity, but uh, most other living things on the planet. Um, uh, this is a uh, <clears throat> uh, this is a treasure of a planet uh, that we're living on. We've got a lot of different life forms, um, uh, and. Uh, they, let's say they, the when I say they, I, I will say the, the extraterrestrial entities, because uh, they are here, uh, have been monitoring the planet probably for thousands, maybe longer uh, of years. Um, and they have seen and probably helped diversify the, the living things here on the planet. They've probably helped us evolve in some way, I think. Uh, of course, that's speculation, but uh, again, this is a, a precious place as as we all know, and they certainly don't want to see us destroy ourselves and everything else living on the planet. So, uh, and uh, we've seen uh, with regard to nuclear power, uh, Fukushima, and of course, Chernobyl uh, and how much damage that has done uh in those accidents uh so of course they're interested in seeing us uh, get away from nuclear power in all forms and uh, even these um, nuclear vessels like the we we're talking about the uh um, <clears throat> the nimitz and the um, and the other one i think was the princeton um uh, accidents could happen there, too. Accidents have happened with all kinds of nuclear-powered facilities. So um, that's my take on the, on that. Yeah,
0: I actually had an experiencer say that he was given um, the message. Some people call those downloads. Um, he was given the message that we absolutely cannot bring nukes into space. That is the message he was given. Absolutely cannot.
1: Well, that's the other issue. Uh, We are already uh, making plans to colonize the moon, set up a moon base, and beyond that, set up bases on Mars. And, of course, we're not the only country uh, that wants to do that. Are are we going to set up... uh, security systems including weaponry on those bases uh, and bring our wars off earth and take our weapons with us including nuclear weapons are we going to do that uh, that's got to be a real concern for our uh, extraterrestrial uh, visitors
0: right and one other thing that um, came to mind while we were talking about this nuclear connection is that a lot of people are talking about having radiation burns after their encounters with UAPs. So do you suspect that these entities are somehow using nuclear themselves?
1: Uh, uh, Radiation uh, has been detected. As a matter of fact, um, uh, let's see, I'm trying to think of his name. The... uh, Uh, His name escapes me right now, but uh, he was one of the first to talk about UFOs um, here in California. He was working at uh, uh, one of the astronomy, uh, one of the uh, yeah observatories. Uh, But they had a nuclear uh, radiation detector there at the observatory, as and when he observed these flight of UFOs come over, and this was in the fifties. Um, they detected uh, radiation. Uh, So radiation was also detected, I think, in the Rendlesham case and, of course, in the uh, Cash-Landrum case in Texas, right? Um, So, yes, uh, radiation has been detected uh, around these craft.
0: Now, do you think it's our type of radiation or do you think they're using something else? Because it does seem like they have if it is ours, they're using nuclear, right? That would be what that would indicate. Or do you think it's possibly something else we just don't understand?
1: It could be. Could be that's something else we don't understand. Uh, of course, in the public domain, there's a lot we don't understand. But in the uh, highly secretive domain of, uh, of Intel groups, uh, uh, they might have a little bit more information than we do. I'm sure they do.
2: So just like with the nuclear weapons, I'm sorry, I'm the project director looking into these electrical malfunctions and um, they're not just affecting the nuclear weapons, but they're affecting our everyday technology with different sightings. Um, Do you you know why they would want to do that as well? Is it just a show of force or what is your perspective on that? Uh, You know, it's
1: hard for me to say whether... uh, some of this is intentional. Um, you're, you're probably thinking of power, power outages, things like that, interference with, um, uh, radio transmissions, maybe even television transmissions. Um, uh, I just don't know. I, I just can't, can't say for sure, but we do know that there have been these effects, uh, uh, in many cases, many times, um, uh, There's a lot of reports uh, of that sort of thing
0: you know it seems like the unintentional threat can be pretty hazardous and i say unintentional because other than when these uaps respond in a defensive manner i've not really heard of them being offensive initially um i feel like they've been defensive many times there's lots of reports of that including in wartime um vietnam korea um, of course, World War II, we had the Foo Fighters. I feel like they've been defensive, but the unintentional threat seems to be a real issue.
1: Well, yeah, and I, I, I agree with you. Um, that's another reason why we ought to have open hearings. Um, the Congress needs to present um, witness testimony on... Um, Various incidents, including abductions, of course, and uh, other incidents like my own, where, uh, and by the way, in my case, uh, uh, the missiles were not harmed. There was no damage done to the missile systems. Uh, The missiles shut down uh, during these incidents because they upset the guidance and control system. And the guidance and control system is a gyroscopic system. Um, uh, inertial guidance, which means we had gyros that would calculate uh, uh, things like acceleration and uh, attitude and uh, azimuth, et cetera, and determine its position after launch uh, through the use of a onboard computer. Well, all they did, in my case, was to upset the, <clears throat> excuse me, what's called a stable platform for the inertial guidance system. There was no damage done at all, and the missiles were back up on alert uh, within 24 hours. So I just want to make that point. Uh, but still, uh, there has been interference with uh, civilian aircraft, uh, passenger aircraft. Uh, Coming into land, and uh, uh, they have been seen flying very close to other aircraft, and um, uh, cause power outages. So these are the kinds of things that have have to be discussed, or should be discussed, in an open hearing, so that we can all gauge what uh, what considerations, safety considerations, and national security implications we are. Uh, have to think about
0: now have you um any idea of whether or not congress has looked at the publicly available citizen hearing videos because i feel like an extensive amount of work went into those videos a lot of witnesses came forward and they i imagine presented a lot of the things that would be in an open hearing
1: i'll answer you this way uh uh, after I gave the presentation uh, October 19th, uh, I say I, I mean we, the, there were four of us, uh, um, I I was in contact with somebody who was in contact with the uh, DOD, uh, let's see, uh, the um uh, Anyway, there's a DoD team that was uh, looking into the UAP issue. Uh, and of course i I offered my uh, to give them a presentation. <clears throat> and by the way, I've sent them um, I've sent them and others a uh, briefing book on on those incidents that we discussed at the press conference. and I've sent that off to uh, many senators and congressmen also. And it goes into some detail into some of these incidents. Well, I asked, I, I said, uh, you know, if you want me, I, I can come in and give you a briefing. And the message I got back from them was, can you tell us any more than we already know that you've disclosed? <laughs> so, yeah, to answer your question, yes, they've they know about all the things that have been talked about publicly, including those conferences.
0: Okay, good. I, I, because I can't help but think that when I'm watching them, they need to watch this. (laughs) They need to see this. Um, But
1: still, they're not commenting, and that's concerning.
0: Well, I think they are keeping things pretty close to the vest right now, aren't they? And I'm hoping when we get the report in October of this year, we'll get something and things will start opening up a little. But it, it leads me to a question about. When things do go to hearings, how do you feel about amnesty for some people who might want to come forward?
1: Now, that's going to be a touchy subject. Excuse me. Uh, Many, if not most of these incidents have been uh, at military bases have been classified. I know mine was. Mine was classified uh so the question is uh are they going to declassify those incidents you know, or give amnesty to people to talk I, you know this is going to be some i think that's an important question uh if we want to get to the bottom of this we have to have people who actually saw the uh incidents were witness to them and uh and they're not going to talk, of course, if they're under a non-disclosure statement, signed statement, uh, because that's a pretty threatening document. I, when I was reading the one I signed, um, it actually had, um, you will spend a long time in Leavenworth prison uh, <laughs> written into the text of that document. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, this is pretty intimidating uh so it's going to take uh like i said a strong congressional effort uh to demand uh answers from the agencies that hold them uh and this is all the uh, i think we got about 17 intel agencies we've got uh all the armed forces agencies have their own like uh in the air force it's the office of special investigations um and there's going to have to be a lot of cooperation in order to get this testimony. So, that's going to be a long, drawn-out process, I guess.
0: I also, <clears throat> also in just wondering if we have people mm-hmm. coming forward who admit to doing something um, that we would consider pretty egregious, but they come forward in the hopes of, you know, getting the truth out. Do you think that they would deserve amnesty? And I'm speaking in terms of a controversial topic, for instance, known as My Labs. Yeah, My Labs. Um, uh, well,
1: uh, you know, we got to start with baby steps. First of all, the, the, um, the agencies have to admit that they have been holding secrets. And then they've got to tell us what kind of secrets my labs would be one of them uh if, if and i'm sure you um not, I, I don't have a position on my labs one way or the other uh, but others do and others claim to have had experiences um, uh, so like i say uh, we're gonna have to start with the basics of getting these agencies to disclose at least in broad terms what they already know and and uh, that's going to be a difficult task i think
0: yeah you mentioned um abductions and i think that we all know that maybe my labs are controversial but there's a lot of people who are coming forward to talk about abductions um what i had noticed after I read your book. Uh, a lot of people were not aware that you had an experience and it's in the book. I'm not going to go into detail about it. Um, but we know also that John Ramirez has come out and spoken about his experience. Um, he is a CIA officer. We <coughs> had Jim Semivan come out and speak about his experience lately. So right. abductions are of course going to be an issue that needs to be addressed. Um, my guess is that people behind the scenes are coming to you also and talking about that
1: oh uh, yeah i uh i went public in 2013 on my uh, abduction experience i uh, i'd rather not get into the details here it's like you say it it's in my book but uh robert hastings uh, whom you probably know who uh, mm-hmm. wrote ufos and nukes also had has had experiences of this of sort, and also bob jacobs uh, in fact they included it in a book they won't wrote recently so i'm not telling anything out of school here um so a lot of us have had these uh direct experiences um i i will tell you that as a result of my experience and during my experience i was able to uh, uh, see the these long bony fingers on one of the entities and I, by long i mean very long <laughs> very long bony fingers uh, holding an object <clears throat> excuse me and uh in uh 2018 i believe it was um i saw a photograph of uh these what we'll call the nazca mummies i don't know if you guys have heard of the nazca mummies uh, but uh, these were discovered in 2015 in the nazca plain uh in a cave and the mummies are fairly small but they're they're all tridactyl in other words they have three fingers um, three toes um, two arms two legs but they're not human they're not uh, any species that we've ever seen Uh, but to cut to the chase here there were also some detached hands that were found along with the mummies and again three fingers but the hands had very long fingers and those as a result of the seeing that uh, because it reminded me pretty much of what i had seen in my uh, experience Uh, i went down to peru and listened to the testimony of the experts that uh, uh, looked at uh, at dna Uh, they looked at uh, age uh, carbon dating etc uh they did uh, MRIs, they did uh, scans of all kinds uh, uh, and determined that these things are real,' not well, they're not, uh, they're not uh, made from other parts of other animals, et cetera. They, they are real and uh, this will be confirmed soon. Uh, but um, I just wanted to mention that that there is a connection between my experience, and what I saw down there in Peru.
0: It's interesting because also coming from Peru, we have the stories of humans trying to elongate their skulls. And that question of why would they do that? Why did they want to look like they had bigger, longer skulls? And of course, the implication is they want to look like an ancestor or they want to look like something that they consider amazing or beautiful or something right so it's interesting because I, I was watching a lot about the the skulls recently
1: right right you're right that that has been uh, a kind of a practice an ancient practice uh that uh, may exist still exists in some places
0: it seems that it was also done in egypt when egypt has a history mm-hmm. of the pharaohs believing that they were ancestors of gods and wanting to protect protect their DNA to the point where they mated with their siblings. <laughs> interesting, right. very interesting. I I have to wonder. Um, one person when I asked people about uh, having questions for today, one person did ask if you had well, more evidence for the ETH, um, the. Extraterrestrial hypothesis behind the scenes that you hadn't shared. It sounds like you just gave us a good example, but if you had something else you wanted to share,
1: um, no, um, I think uh, my my own experience, like I say, um, I have validated that in my uh, in my own way. Um, if you read. A description in my book, um, uh, let's, let's just say there, there's no question in my mind that the experience was real. It was not a dream. It was not imaginary. And um, uh, uh, during the experience, I was taken through uh, a window uh, that was closed. People have been taken through walls, of course, and uh, things like that. Uh, these are uh, paranormal experiences that cannot be explained by any kind of physics that we know about. Uh, uh, there is no question in my mind; these are extraterrestrial creatures, um, and they have, and that these are extraterrestrial craft. These craft, uh, during my my uh, experience in Montana. <clears throat> were able to do things that uh, airplanes simply cannot do, either then or now. And um, they were able to disable our missiles. uh, That was an impossibility then, and it's an impossibility now. Um, In my case, they had to penetrate uh, 60 feet of earth and concrete uh, with a signal or multiple signals and then penetrate uh, a triply shielded cabling system that we use to uh, uh, communicate with the missiles from the capsule that we were in uh, and then like i say find a particular piece of hardware on the missile uh, guidance system and simply upset the platform that uh, we had these gyros on so uh, and they did that uh, 20 times with the span, within the span of eight days. In other words, um, uh, they had to do this to each individual missile. Uh, we, we have no capability, we had no capability then or now, to be do, uh, do anything like that. Uh, these are absolutely extraterrestrial objects of very advanced, they knew, they knew how our missiles operated in great detail. And they proved that in another incident that uh, we can talk about uh, and, and in these four incidents that I just mentioned.
0: Well, I, I know that one incident that you mentioned in the book was about a triangle um, at Camp Slayer. And I wanted to, you said that something was going to come out about that. I just wanted to follow up on that before I forget to ask about that. Um, you mentioned Mark Koch, I believe is the name.
1: Right, Mark Koch, 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 uh, he was uh, a platoon sergeant. Uh, There was a platoon in Iraq, I think it was 2006, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, And they were uh, patrolling uh, this small town uh, just outside of Baghdad Airport, uh, just to the south of Baghdad Airport. And the platoon came across um, very large triangular object that covered the pretty much covered the entire town, uh, and um, uh, this was seen by the um, all the platoon members. Uh, forget how many, um, but and and a couple of them did uh, support Mark's statements, uh, but they have not come fully forward and uh, spoken publicly. Um, uh, hopefully at some point they will, but uh, as, as of this point, we have Mark's story uh, and it's pretty well detailed in uh, in my book.
0: Yeah, that's why I was asking because you said more would come. And... Well, I was
1: hoping, I was hoping. Yeah, it, it was <laughs> I no was more... hoping. Uh, and, and I think a lot of these people would be would come public if they again had open hearings and people and they were given uh, the authority to to speak out freely.
0: I, I will say that a lot of people that I've spoken to have seen triangles. Some people who don't even have an idea of what's going on, um, including an author for space.com. He said that he thinks it could be future humans. That's where he's leaning. Um, And and then he described having a large triangle encounter. And Jesse was there for that interview. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So that was really interesting, um, how often the triangles are being seen by people. And I do feel sometimes that these experiences are the gateway. They get people into the topic. They draw them in. Um, it's almost like uh, it's something's waving at them and saying, hey, pay attention to us.
1: Well, they obviously want us to know that they are here. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> I think that's pretty clear uh, uh, because they've been so obvious in, in, in some of these incidents. Um, the Phoenix Lights is another huge triangle uh, mm-hmm. uh, seen by, what, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of people so um, no they're not shy about uh, announcing that they're here uh, uh, and I, um, but they have decided not to contact us uh, intimately or directly in a way that um, they want to establish some sort of um, i don't know um, uh, political contact with the they're working with us uh, in various ways. Uh, I think I think we're they're watching us to see how we're how we're going to handle certain things, such as the nuclear weapons issue, and uh, and the other major issues that we have, uh, uh, such as energy, such as global warming, um, and uh, and speaking in one voice. Obviously, we're still pretty much divided on this world on this planet and uh and uh so i i I, we're still in an evolutionary stage i think they want to see us evolve a little bit more
2: so speaking on um how to handle things with you with doing the national press club and the citizens hearing um i'm a big advocate for educating the younger generation that's coming up now so they can get involved and uh start working with their Congress men and women to start getting the word out there. Um, Good. where do you think the younger generation, the people just getting into the field or even, even the veterans that have been around for a while, like me and me and Deb, um, what should we be doing to, to further the, the disclosure of this, this entire phenomenon? Yeah. Well,
1: I think, uh, of course, education. I, I, I was an educator for about 17 years and, uh, Uh, i spoke to uh, just about every class that i had i spoke about my incident Um, so what i recommend to the youth right now is to start uh, reading up on some of the major incidents that are supportable and have been supported uh, through evidence through testimonies uh, such as my own and and these other three or four or five uh, that I spoke about uh, at the press conference, all the uh, all those incidents that I uh, spoke about or we spoke about are well documented, uh, and I mean well documented. <laughs> There's a lot of witness testimony that can support every one of them. Uh, uh, Now it, it may not be enough evidence for uh, every scientist in the world, but it is evidence. And so I would recommend that they review those incidents review Roswell there's. uh, There were over 300 witnesses uh, that came forward to support various aspects of Roswell. Uh, There are. Uh, good uh, repositories of archives. The University of Arizona has the archives of uh, Dr. James McDonald, who was uh, kind of a, um, uh, well, he was one of the first to look into uh, a lot of incidents. uh, We were talking about uh, at uh, nuclear power facilities uh, he went down to Australia and uh, interviewed many of the. Um, let's see, uh, forgot the name of that school down there, uh, where they had an incident with uh, young people. Ariel. Ariel. Yes, ma'am. Thank you. Um, and uh, and and again, the the incident in in Africa uh at the other incident uh zimbabwe zimbabwe where uh ufo landed uh right next to a schoolyard Uh, a lot of children saw it there are a lot of good quality uh, good quality i guess was another way to say it uh incidents were were they're very well supported and I, i would recommend uh that's the that Young people take a good, hard look at those. Uh, try to avoid the ones where it's, you have just an individual spokesperson talking about an incident, because uh, of course that could be manufactured, made up. Uh, don't know, right. how, and that's yes.
0: So you're you're encouraged looking at the mass sightings,
1: the sightings that have been yeah well, well established, well supported, yeah.
0: You know, it's really interesting also. I don't know if you've read Artie Sixkiller Clark's books of Indigenous people. A lot of people haven't read them. And they'd be surprised that some of the things that you had happen to you get mentioned um, in the books by um, Artie Sixkiller Clark, by a population that often doesn't seem to get the voice that they deserve to have. So some military incidents were described in her books. So I thought that was interesting. It seems to be that people are just sort of finding a way to slip the information out as best they can.
1: Absolutely. Uh, That's another good source if we could get uh, more Native American stories. Uh, Of course, a lot of these incidents happen on on reservations. Uh, But there are some pretty well-documented uh, stories about incidents that have happened uh, in, in, with the Native Americans.
0: Yeah, and, and they you know, are even more marginalized, so they feel very much like they can't talk about it. But again, right. again they had similar incidents where um, craft were showing up at their bases. and. In fact, in the FOIAs now, you can see incidents involving Air Force bases. It's quite frequent. Um, I feel like the UAPs are not only attracted to nuclear, but they're definitely interested in our flying objects. So, um, Actually, that led me to a couple questions. Um, I just wanted your opinion on a couple things. One would be Holloman, Holloman Air Force Base. The incident that is described as... Um, entities coming out of a craft at Holloman Air Force Base. I really want more information about that. Um, I just was wondering what you thought about that.
1: Uh, you know, I'm not really familiar with that incident. Uh, uh, Deb, um, uh, I will say that uh, there have been many, many witnesses uh, that have seen objects land and uh, uh Entities come out of those objects. So I have no doubt that uh, something like that happened at Holloman, but I I really haven't studied that at all.
0: That one interests me because I do believe we have more than one entity and that particular uh, case, which is connected to a documentary film that Jacques Vallée was in, by the way, in the 70s, because there's a little bit of footage of the craft coming to Holloman um, that's connected to that. Um, Authentic footage, by the way, provided by the government, but they did not allow the filmmaker to use the whole footage. (laughs) But anyway, the interesting thing about that was those entities looked human, but very Egyptian, apparently. Like They had very strange um, headgear. And so that incident interests me, especially considering when you look at Rendlesham, another big case, and Bentwaters, um, people are saying there's future humans. And then I've been doing some examination of the different writing, and there's two types that I'm seeing one that's very geometric, and one that looks like runes. So I think there's definitely at least two different types of entities, at least.
1: <laughs> at least. Uh, I agree. Yes. With- so many
0: yeah there are and that leads to my next question i was wondering what you thought of clifford stone who's come out or he did come out unfortunately he passed away um he came out he told us about moon dust before anyone knew about it and now of course the um the foyers show us tons of moon dust documents actually um but he also said that there were about 40 different species that the government definitely knew about it interacted with them and you know i know it's controversial but we also have had information from um rick Doty about different species and the government interacting with them and boyd bushman who uh, used to work with lockheed came out and said you know there's multiple species and we interact with them. So what did you think of Clifford Stone? Back to Clifford Stone.
1: (laughs) Oh, I met Clifford Stone a long time ago at at Roswell. Of course, he lived uh, uh, in Roswell, I think. Um, And uh, it took a while because again, uh, uh, what I do when somebody brings me information or a story um, I have to judge uh, in my own way, whether I believe them. And uh, I've found, unfortunately, I've had to uh, uh, do that. In other words, uh, uh, make a decision. And it took me a while, but I believe Clifford Stone. I, I, in fact, I did a foreword for one of his books. Um, I think he's telling the truth and did tell the truth um about being part of a recovery team Uh, we know for sure that uh, craft have been recovered entities have been recovered um uh, there's no question in my mind that that has happened and that uh military forces such as the army the air force have had teams that were at the ready to go do this, to recover uh, these craft and these beings. And I think that has happened many times. Uh, So, uh, like I say, um, uh, I'm I'm a big supporter of Clifford Stone, even though he's now passed.
0: It's really interesting because all the people coming forward are really coming forward with that narrative. They're saying, there's extraterrestrial beings. They're saying there have been crash retrievals. They're saying there's debris and they've examined the metamaterials. They're, you know, it's so it goes on and on. A lot of them are saying they've been around here for centuries. A lot of them are now talking about the bio effects. And yet we still have so many people who don't believe it, even though people from the government are coming out. People from the military are coming out. <laughs> What's
1: Well, you'll notice most of these are not actively involved in the military right now because there's still a stigma involved. Uh, But yes, uh, our government is holding these secrets. And the reason a lot of people, uh, the great majority probably of of, of people, uh, don't fully believe or accept this reality uh, is simply because our... Government uh, and, in particularly, the U.S. government uh, has not come out directly and said, uh, "Yes, we are indeed being visited." Uh, but I think that time is coming. It's got to come soon uh, because of the initiative of uh, this this new uh, law that requires uh, requires agencies to uh, uh, set up well well we know what we're talking about we're talking about the Gillibrand amendment to the uh, national defense authorization act it requires the uh, odni and the dod to jointly set up an office that will uh uh, work diligently to uh take in information from various agencies on the uap and uh, and uh, report to congress so uh it's just a matter of making sure that they do their job they do it thoroughly and I, they, and they release the to, information to the
0: public i know i just have to say i've been waiting for them to hire me i can tell jesse has a question though but I, i've just been waiting <laughs> for someone to come hire me because i am all on it i will help them <laughs> <laughs>
2: So uh, my question was, you know, we've always asked the question of why the government hasn't come out and just told us um, there would be possible repercussions of, you know, them covering this up for 75 plus years. Um, And then we look at the UAP report that has come out and a lot of other reports, and they only go back to about 2000 and they don't go beyond that point. 2004. Um, Yeah. So. Were, is, do you think it's the center trying to make it look like it's more of a recent thing than it has been going on for a long time, so they don't have to answer those questions?
1: Exactly, they're playing dumb. Uh, <laughs> like, yeah, we released the uh, the video, uh, the Tic Tac videos, right? Uh, and then, so we looked in, into. I'm I'm paraphrasing what the government is saying. They looked into. Uh, incidents uh, uh, after 2004 when these incidents occurred uh, to see if there were any more, uh, that's ridiculous. Uh, I mean, uh, let's go back to 1950, uh, the big flap in Washington, DC, 51, right? Uh, Objects were seen over Washington, DC, Aircraft were scrambled against them. Uh, They were seen on radar. Uh, They were seen by pilots, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, so why didn't uh, the government say, well, we have to go back and look at that and everything in between? Um, uh, It's just absurd, absurd how they're trying to hide this.
0: So it's a little frustrating. Also, if you look at the FOIAs, they all stop at a certain point. Like, it depends on which ones you're looking at. But generally, there's only, like, 15 in the CIA when you get into the 2000s. The uh, the DIA tends to go only to the 90s. Um, So there's a huge gap, right? A huge gap between then and 2004 where they haven't even released stuff yet. Right.
1: Exactly. This is a farce. Uh, That's why we have to keep on our government, through our representatives, through our senators, to keep pursuing this. And I think there's a good opportunity now, since uh, we've got elections coming up uh, in November, to press our representatives to come out in support of open hearings and, uh, and release some more information. Uh, I don't have high hopes that uh, uh, in October, the public's gonna know much more than we know now from our government. Uh, uh, Unless, like I say, we keep pressing for open hearings. Uh, They're gonna drag this on, this cabal. I call it a UFO cabal. Uh, I'm convinced it exists and has existed since the uh, since Roswell, maybe even before um, that is holding these secrets and they're gonna hold on to them as tightly as they can for as long as they can uh, for various reasons. Uh, uh, So it's up to us, we're gonna have to keep pressing, keep pushing for release of
2: information. Absolutely, and I keep trying to tell everybody that it's not that hard to reach out to your congressmen and your state representatives. Um, it's very no. easy. Go on the website, and you send a simple email out and they will reply. It's their duty to reply. No. Um, and they have offices all over locally. So you can easily walk in and, and, and speak to them face to face. That's what they're there for. I think people forget that in a way. You know, they forget that they're here to work for us and and to represent us. So I'll try to get that out to the people and, and remind them about that. Right.
0: It's also pretty evident that some of them have been very interested in this topic. Um, if yes. you go look, I have a webpage, com, and I have a whole section of politicians and their interests. So it's under controversies, by the way, but it's there. <laughs> it's like, you know, we've had Ford who is interested. Carter had his own sighting. Uh, Reagan, I think, had multiple sightings, so on and so forth. So, Um, So I'm going to try to, because of, you know, we're getting close to the hour mark, do just a couple more questions. Um, I'm combining like four questions into one. (laughs) Hopefully this will work. (laughs) So one of my questions has to do with the idea of consciousness. That's something that a lot of people get to when they study this phenomenon. I've gotten there pretty quickly also. Um, One part of that is the suspicion that the uap themselves the objects themselves which by the way for anyone listening i've, I've said this many times have had many 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 names um the objects themselves may have a consciousness what is your thought on that
1: oh uh, well um interesting concept um, um what comes What comes to mind immediately uh, is um, the ability of these objects to react so quickly um, and almost uh, anticipate what uh, other aircraft, such as the, the, in the in the tick in the cases of tic tac the uh, the object knew where the rendezvous point would be after. Uh, the one one incident um, by David I uh, forgot his last name, Friar? Fravor. Fravor. Yeah, uh, after Fravor's encounter uh, and the object flew off uh, Fravor contacted uh, some other aircraft in the area and they decided to reconnoiter in a particular location. When they got there, the object was there. So it's, it's like the object read their mind. Uh, <laughs> uh, and uh, of course, some of the reports from the 1950 uh, flap over Washington, D.C., by some of the pilots, um, uh, indicate that um, uh, they almost knew how the, the uh, pursuit aircraft uh, were going to. Uh, try to intercept them even before the pilots knew Uh, so do they have a consciousness hard to say for sure but uh, certainly the operators of these craft uh, uh, probably have some way of uh, of knowing things uh, uh, very uh, very quickly
0: Okay, I'm going to ask a final question. Um, Do you have any more questions, Jesse, before I ask my final question? Okay, just wanted to make sure. Um, My final question is, in your book, you mentioned that you did have sort of a download when you were dealing with your incident. Um, Can you please tell us what that download was? And, And when I say your incident, to be clear, I'm talking about the Oscar flight missile incident all right 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 well uh, uh i had two
1: phone calls during my incident of course the first phone call uh the uh, topside guard which we called the flight security controller um told us about these lights flying above us uh they weren't airplanes etc uh which got got me thinking even even though i didn't pay much attention to that report but then after the second phone call when the when the guard uh was panicking and uh, and stated that uh the object was just above them uh and then uh hung up the phone uh the feeling i had was that they were going to do something to our missiles and this was i guess you might call it a download or some kind of a, it may even have been a communication at that point from the ET craft itself. Uh, because I recall <clears throat> hanging up the phone and then looking over my board, my status board, which showed the status of the missiles, uh, and wondering, you know, what were they going to do with my missiles? Uh, and it was very, very brief uh, feeling, I guess. But I remember doing that. I remember actually turning over there and looking at that and wondering. And this is before the missiles were shut down.
0: I wonder, uh, yeah, I call it an impression when it happens. Yeah, you know, right. I call those impressions. So I understand what you mean by just suddenly you have the thought.
1: <laughs> exactly. Exactly.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, we know that. E.T. is able to communicate telepathically there have been so many reports of that and, uh, of course, during my incident they communicated to me telepathically so. um, You can call it download or some kind of telepathic communication, but those of us that have had uh, contacts, uh, I think we are being communicated with telepathically. um, uh, And not. You know, it's hard to say. uh, You know what they're telling us specifically, but uh, I think these communications are ongoing.
0: It actually makes me really sad to think how often they probably try to talk to us, but no one could listen.
1: Yeah, exactly.
0: And I think we're actually evolving more and changing more to be able to listen. And I I think yeah and I think in a way, our ancestors probably were like our ancestors probably interacted a good deal more than we did based on evidence like what happened in Peru. um so Egypt also you know that's another example. it's <laughs> so, so, so hopefully we'll get back there and of course, lots of indigenous um incidents, you know, we talked to like a Artie Clark's book, so. I hope we'll all start to listen a little better in the future, but in the meantime, yeah. I wanted to give you both a chance to tell people where they can find you as we close out for today.
1: Right, I've got a uh, presence on uh, Twitter, Keptycho on printer, Twitter, <laughs> K e p t y d h o. Um, also, uh, I've got a YouTube channel, uh bob solace you can go to my youtube channel uh see the entire uh uh, press conference that we gave october the 19th in washington dc Uh, and also uh, about a 40-minute video that i made uh, covering my particular incident um let's see and i'm on facebook of course so you can uh, reach me on any of those places
2: very cool
0: Jesse? yeah um
2: you can follow me on twitter um at aat peak, ancient astronaut theorist peak um and you can also catch my podcast ufo encounters worldwide every thursday on all podcast platforms and kgra digital broadcasting and that's about it and if you have a sighting report it to move on <laughs> <laughs>
0: okay and this is deb from deb's data dojo i can be found on twitter linkedin facebook on youtube with the calling all beings crew um i'm all over the place at study of uaps feel free to reach out if you want to talk to me in the meantime take care and have a good day good night etc future humans past humans i hope you're all well